solution to mental health problems is praying. They don't believe that this God exists, but they're saying if this God exists, they're saying, first of all, they don't, the agnostics believe maybe he exists. They're saying they, they don't believe God exists, but they're saying in order to fix mental health problems, you have to pray. They don't care what you pray to. You can pray to a cow, a chicken, God. But they say you have to pray. That is one of the key things. Consult uh, psychologists, psychiatrists. They will say that prayer has a powerful effect. And if you read into these discussions, you'll realize they say it's a belief in any higher power. Some sort of higher power. Islam tells us how to get that higher power that will never fail us. So there are some higher powers that can serve you and help you for five years, ten years, twenty years. But at the end they will fill you. A great example of that. Yesterday we spoke about different systems of economy, right? We spoke about capitalists and communists. The Muslims that were communists, and they were sure that communism is Sabil al-Haq, Sayyid Qutb and the people that followed Gamal al Nasr of Egypt, and there were these people, they were Shuyu'iyin, meaning communists. It's that ideology served them well. Because remember, in last class we mentioned there are benefits and there are great things that Islam actually encourages that are overlaps with communism. But what happened at the end? And this is why tomorrow's khutbah, the, the sermon on Friday that we're going to do, is going to be on that verse in the Quran that deals with That's what we said was going to be the khutbah. And here's the thing. If you ask a Muslim, they'll say, no, no, no. For me, nothing is equal to Allah. Right? But Muslims also at the same time claim that Islam is the perfect religion, the best religion, the solution to all problems. So on one hand, Islam is perfect, the solution to all the problems. On the other hand, you're being a total dirtbag. How does that match? How does that match? If Islam is perfect, then okay, then people respond, I'm flawed. Okay, yeah, everyone's flawed, but why does it seem a lot of times that there's, there's even more than that in certain Muslims or certain Muslim countries or certain Muslim ideologies or certain Muslim sects, it looks like it's much worse. And the reason behind that is your understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wrong. God says, I am the way my slave thinks of me. I am the way the human thinks of me. So what do you expect if you think that God is always an angry, hateful God? What will you get? You will get an angry, hateful God. But if you think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Rahmah, as mercy, as Ar-Rahman, not as Rahmah, but Ar-Rahman, who has the sifah of Rahmah, then how will your mu'amalat, interactions with other human beings, be different? I ask this very important question. For you guys already, obviously, know, have been exposed to different types of Islam, different understandings of Islam. Notice, and we all know Brother Isa, for example. Notice with him. Why is he always smiling? I hope he's watching on the live. Yeah. Why is he always smiling? Why is he always laughing? Why is he always friendly? He has a bit, even if he had a bad mood. First of all, I've never seen Isa in a bad mood. I don't know what this is. It's scary sorcery, but he's never in a bad mood. If his car breaks down, he'll come smiling and laughing and tell me, Oh, smile, I have this funny story. My car broke down. And he's smiling. And this is not only Brother Isa. Right? We can extend this to a lot of brothers here in the masjid. But if you want to understand that silliness, that, oh, life is fun and everything's happy and fun, no, the, the idea that depression doesn't exist in Brother Isa's world, 
So much so that when he met me, he was confused. Who is this white kid who's not white? You're acting totally like an American depressed all the time. That's because his understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what led him to be that way. So obviously our jokes aside about how, you know, he says it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That it is what led him to be a nice human being. It was that it. We can laugh at it as much as we want. We can say Sufism is weird, his Sufism is weird. But it is showing in his character. Do the actions. Allah subhanahu wa is saying, do your actions. God will see your actions. You're feeding poor people, that is your Islam. You're helping the needy, that's your Islam. For those of you guys, high schoolers, where, where, are your, where are the other, they, they disappeared, huh? Okay. For those of you in high school, you see people who are bullied. That is your Islam, stopping that. But if your Islam is to take over, if it's, uh, you know, that I want to be part of Islam so that I can get this honor, take over the masjid, maybe, for example, like me. If shaitan comes to me and says, you know, you've been leading in Iceland for eight years now. But why don't you just try to do something special now? Right? Why don't you benefit from the masjid? Shaitan will tell all of us these things. How do we respond to that? If the niyyah, if your intention of coming to the masjid was to show off. If my intention of coming to the masjid was to show off, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish me and punish them. And, and how will he punish them? Not in an evil way. You wanted people's praise. You wanted people to say, oh, he has such a beautiful voice. You wanted people to do this. You'll get that. But you will not have completed your job. If the imam's job is to impress the musalli, then let me tell you, the imams have done their jobs. In Saudi Arabia, and they've done their jobs in uh, Jordan. They've done their jobs in Egypt. Egypt is the most vocally talented uh, place. But that's not the job of the man. That's why you need to define who is your God. You, you think now that we're just Muslim, it's okay. We all have the same God. No. This is Ayatul Kursi, the one we read. Allahu la ilaha illa And now the question arises, okay. Are Muslims satisfied spiritually? in just believing in a God, but, or do they have to believe in the Muslim God? Well, obviously in Islam, a part of our tenet is we have to believe in the God that is the God of the Qur'an. So if someone says, yes, I also believe in God, but he's a flying spaghetti monster, is that person a Muslim? According to nomenclature, that person is not a Muslim. They have a nice funny religion of the flying spaghetti monster, but they're not Muslim. Even though they worship one God, right? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not describe himself as a flying spaghetti monster in the Qur'an. That's a good example. So, what is the benefit of this though? What is the benefit of this? The benefit of this is, if you are to worship the wrong God, that wrong God will only serve you for 20, 30 years. And then you're gone. But if you serve the God that is mentioned in this ayah, you're good to go for the rest of your life. And the hereafter. Because this God is clean and pure and is, is completely bari, absolved from all negative things. So, one big problem with the Old Testament today, you know, you all know I've been doing a lot of work, uh, interfaith work with Jewish communities and heavily involved in that. The God of the Old Testament, there are certain aspects that show he is, in fact, it's mentioned, he's a jealous God. He gets jealous if you worship other idols. He's an angry God. Obviously, in the Old Testament, there are beautiful descriptions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. 
But then there are also these descriptions. And obviously we as Muslimin believe that the true message of the Old Testament was slightly altered. And that's why these things came up. But if you believe your God is a jealous God, an angry God, how do you think you're going to behave with the Goyim? Goyim means non-Jews. You're Jewish and you believe your God is a jealous, angry God. And he says, we, he, he tells his prophets actually go and completely kill everything. Every human, every animal, every child, completely. How do you think that will translate? We need to actively look into the Old Testament. For the Jewish people, they need to look in the Old Testament. We as Muslims look into the Quran. Even if in front of us we have something that seems to paint God as a tough, mean, harsh God, we need to not interpret it that way. We need to understand who is Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Allah. La ilaha illahu. There is no true God except Him. Al-Hayyul Qayyum. So, La ilaha illahu. There is no God except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does that mean? You think that we, since we as Muslims, we said La ilaha illahu, that's enough? No. Think about the girl that is always on your mind. I'm saying this from experience, guys. This is something wrong that we should totally fix. There's a girl or a guy always on your mind. You're always constantly thinking about that person. I'm not going to say that shirk, but that is a distraction. What happens then? What is heartbreak? Heartbreak is you put all of the faith, all of the love, all of the hope, all of the aspirations in that one beautiful human being. She might be cute, yes, but you put it all in her. And when she said, you know what, I'm a vegan and I can't really go out people who are not vegans. <laughs> what happens then? Your heart is broken and that is the definition of heartbreak. Or you went out with her and she broke up with you. What happens? Your heart's broken. You can avoid that heartbreak. Imagine Brother Isa and his mood. Right? And just imagine how he would respond. What would Jesus do? Exactly, what would Jesus do? That's exactly his name, Isa. So, when you put all of your love, all of your faith, all of your hope, all of your aspiration in this grand power that Brother Isa describes as the universe itself, and you can describe as whatever you want as long as it's within the Quran and the Sunnah, as if you're Muslim, obviously. If you put all of that hope in that, that will never fail you. Because that is the source of all energy. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العليق There is no strength. There is no energy except through God. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. Rather, it is simply transformed. Good job. You get an A in physics. Okay. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is neither created nor destroyed. I won't say it's transformed. We'll leave, we'll leave that question for Isa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is neither created nor destroyed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always there. Qul Allahu ahad. Allah is only one. Allah samad lam That's the source of energy that's not connected to anything else. It can't be tainted. It can't be destroyed. It can't be mixed with darkness. It's pure light. Nurus samawati wal ard. Allah says in Surah An-Nur, and in this surah that we're just reading, La ilaha illahu al-hayy, al-hayy, the living. See, now we're alive. We feel that we're alive, right? Allah subhanahu wa taala is the source of that life. نَفَخْنَا فِيهِمِ الرُّوحِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I blew from the spirit into Adam. مِرْرُوحِي My spirit. Life. الْحَيْ So connect with that source. 
Al-Qayyum, the one who everything stands upon it. Qayyum as-Samawati wal-Ard. He's holding up the whole system, the universe. La ta'khuduhu sinah wa la Not even sleep comes over him, nor slumber, nor dozing off. And what's the importance of that? To recognize that other sources of power, andada, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, andada, other sources of power, other distractions from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they'll go to sleep, they'll slumber, because they have weakness, they need that rest, they need to recuperate, recuperate, sorry. They need to recuperate. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la ma Every single thing in the universe belongs to Him. Man who can do shafa'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except through his word? So here on earth we have briberies, we have trickery, right? So imagine the strongest person on earth, uh, power-wise, power can be defined in many ways, at least in international relations. Powers can, can be defined by your power source, what, like, what, what potential power do you have? What resources do you have? Uh, so the United, a lot of if I ask like who's the superpower, people would say the United States, right? Maybe potentially, because they have that military power, they have the diplomatic power, they have all these things. But is, is that power limited? Yes. That's exactly what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is saying. So here's the thing: in the United States, if let's say I was to meet the president of the United States, right? I can ask the president for shifa. Obviously, I could say, look. I have a friend who's incarcerated, he's in jail. Can you please do an executive order to get this person out of jail? The president will be like, you know, buddy, it's okay. You saw me snort some cocaine before and I don't want you to, I don't want my career to be destroyed. I don't want my career to be destroyed. See, do you see how that works? Bribery, corruption and bribery. So the president of the United States, because you have something on top of that president, you can get that president to do something for you. Because you know that that president before he became president was a corrupt person. Just snort cocaine and do all these haram shit stuff. Sorry. So now that we understand this, contract contrast that with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Can you bribe Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? Do you have anything on Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? That's what our understanding of. No one can do shafa. Man illa Imagine that. That's the absolute power. One that's not affected by bribery. One that's not affected by evil. We've become so evil. Our sins have made us imagine that we can bribe anyone and anything. We think on Yawm Al-Qiyamah we'll do something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded, no. On Yawm Al-Qiyamah there's complete justice. Complete justice. So brothers in Islam, and potentially sisters, I can't see anyone. In Islam, my question is, if in this world you see justice is not happening. A lot of people actually, this is kind of sad and funny at the same time. A lot of people look at me and say, there's not justice is not happening in the universe. Why do they say that? They say, you're such a laid-back person, right? I'm such a laid-back person. Why do you get all these good things in life? Because they don't know the sadness that I have in life. They don't know the pain that I have in life, right? So when they say this, they, they believe that justice is not happening in the universe. And I'm sure you guys can think of someone in your life that you feel that way. You know, some people have higher levels of jealousy and other people have lower levels of jealousy. You, as people who have known me for eight years, know my mistakes, my problems, my sins. But you guys all know jealousy is something that I'm incapable of. I have other sins, may Allah forgive me for those, and I admit them, and you guys know that, but jealousy, I just can't, even if I tried, I couldn't, right? 
It doesn't make me better because my other sins, if I was to mention them, you guys would be like, oh, well, you, should, you might as well have been jealous than doing this. <laughs> but the point is of that, that if we all have that jealousy in our heart, we need to realize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. If you're jealous of someone, why did this guy have a million dollars and he's such a horrible person? The Day of Judgment, if you truly believe in the true God, you would not be jealous. Because you'll know on the Day of Judgment, that person who earned a million dollars but hurt 50,000 people on the way there, will get punished. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this ayah. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُنْدَهُ Who can cheat the system? Who can fight the system? Who will get away of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reckoning? Evil will be punished and good will be rewarded. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُنْدَهُ لَهُ Now to finish up. يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ He knows what is behind them, what is in front of them, what is... And then in a dua, we continue with that. Right? And that's in that shaitan was mentioning about this, but also in the dua, we say, Right? That means your God is protecting you in ways that no other existence, like form of existence, can protect you. So, great, the best example I can give you guys to kind of you know, personify the question that we have at hand is this. The example is, we have a, a spectrum in politics of statists and anarchists. Anarchists, yani الناس اللي يبون فوضى, ما يبون حكومات. Statists, الناس اللي يحبون حكومات, يقولون حكومات أحسن شيء لازم يكون حكم law, basically. So you have two extremes, right? And you can find Muslims that are anarchists. And my translation Arabic was mean to say that they're just they want total destruction. Anarchists actually believe in a system that hey, you know we can everyone can be individualistic. It's like libertarianism taken a little further. That's all it is. It's nothing as scary as people told you. But the point is, we're talking about faith now. So someone who's a statist and an atheist, they will believe they are protected by the state, right? What happens if you're an African American man who got pulled over by the police by the state? in the United Blessed States of America. What's gonna happen? So your faith in the police survived and thrived and the police was not your God but some version of a type of God. We're not saying it's shirk because that's mean to say that. But you put your faith and aspirations in the state. And for some reason, let's say you were a naive black man in America. And the police pulls you over. Some racist guy in Alabama takes out the gun and shoots you. Or hurts you. Sends you to jail. That's because you put your faith in something smaller than God. And the lesson we're learning here is, if you can say, no, 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 my faith is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's not enough. Until your Lord, the priority of the Lord you worship is the same as the priority of Muhammad Wasallam's Lord. So if your priority is money, was that what Muhammad Wasallam was calling to? Or if your priority was ruling, politics, taking over, was that the priority of Muhammad Wasallam? An argument can be made it was. And Islamophobes are the ones who say that. But the Muhammad Wasallam that I follow and many of you guys that I know follow, is the one who didn't care about government. He didn't care about money, he didn't care about power, he didn't care about fame, he didn't care about being praised. 
his name, Muhammad, and also Mahmud and Ahmad, means the one who is always praised. Did he ever ask people to praise him? Did he ever want people to praise him? In fact, when he was praised, he said, don't overpraise me the way the Christians overpraised Jesus and made him a god when he was simply sending a message. Obviously, no offense to the Christians. We're just saying a difference in the belief, obviously. Right? So, Muhammad said, don't praise me the way the Christians praise Jesus, lest you start worshipping me. Right? لا تمدحني كما حمد عيسى إله So, من ذا الذي يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم and this is where I might disagree with some other members in this masjid who say, no, Muhammad knows what's behind you and in front of you. That's fine, you can believe that. But I believe Muhammad was a human being and he doesn't have ilm al-ghayb to the extent that he knows what's behind me and in front of me. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. Allah knows what's behind you and in front of you. Allah is the one who will protect you. And I can connect with those brothers who, who you know, have higher spirituality in, in Muhammad I would connect to them saying, yes, if I say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, this will protect me. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, you are praising the slave of mine that guided you to me. It was through Muhammad sallallahu you found me. So I will protect you. So, Human beings, creatures, anyone that's created, they are not able to encompass means of even a part. Shay is nakirah. In That means anything, anything, anything. We don't have that in English, but essentially what that means is negation upon negation upon negation. There's not a single thing we know. What did Socrates say? All I know is that I don't know anything. And that's when he knew. That's when he started knowing. When he knew that he doesn't know anything. Is there a scientific empirical way to prove Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists? Can we do a science experiment and, and prove Allah exists? What do you think, brother Abdullah? Huh? Can, no, no, it's okay. Can we do a science experiment to prove that Allah exists? Yeah. The idea is that Allah exists. Yeah, so you don't need to, right? But is there a way I can do an experiment to discover Allah? To discover God? Anyone can answer. No, naturally we think no. Design indicates a designer. Sure, there you go. Yes, design, I understand that theory and everything. But the, what I'm trying to prove here is it's quite clear that we are, our faith is what guides us to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if it was so easy to find, everyone would be Muslim, everyone would be a believer in God if it was that easy. But it's more of a path, a journey, right? And it's always evolving, always changing. That's because we don't know anything. The moment you think you have all the answers, brothers and sisters in Islam, that's the moment you've lost it. This confusion, this chaos, we need to embrace it. Because within this chaos, there is some form of guidance, some sort of form of calmness. That calmness for us as Muslimin is, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, we read Fatih how many times every day? It's a guidance. There's chaos everywhere. That's okay. And so Dr. Jordan Peterson, these other thinkers, I'm not necessarily agreeing with everything he says, but they mentioned this, that you know, it's a balance between chaos and authoritarianism. Where there's some people, if you see they have so much uh, OCD and controlling anxiety, 
They want to control everything in their life. And if something goes a little off their life, they go crazy. Right? I'm not looking at you, Khalid, don't worry. <laughs> if something goes off, they go crazy. And on the other hand, you have people like yours truly, myself. When you look at them, you say, this is chaos in one body. <laughs> so obviously, this is a mistake of mine that I don't want you guys to take. Instead, we'll take a middle path, which I'm trying to go away from chaos. And for those of you who are controlling and always want everything exactly the way you want, come to the middle. So don't be like me with complete chaos, but don't also be controlling free. Because when you control too much, this universe doesn't want that. What did Muhammad say about this dunya? If you go after it, it'll run away and you won't get any of it. But if you run away from this life, that doesn't mean suicidal thoughts, guys. Chill. <laughs> Especially Gen Z kids, I'm watching it. So what, it, so what does that mean? If you run away from the dunya, it will come running to you. And I can give only the example of my own life. The things I went after with a crazy mindset, I want that, I want that, I want that. Am I married to a Spanish woman? Where's, where's my uh, Latina <laughs> esposa? No, nada, nada de esto. It's a joke, obviously. But the point is, you go after something, or you have a desire for something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test you and say, no man, that's not for you. Right? And what did I get? I didn't go after becoming the Imam, or Ramadan Imam at least, of the, cap of a, of the masjid in the capital of a nation. That's usually something left for very experienced imams, very high-level scholars. How did I get this? Not by any of my hard work, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and by not running after it with this craze and this privileged, I deserve it. I should do this. No, I don't deserve this. I deserve it. Like, you know what I was doing last year, guys? I was in my house. Uh, no, no one else, just praying taraweeh on my own, going online. That's what, that's what we are, actually. That's what we deserve. Anything after that is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's all a gift from him. So, in the end of the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We don't know anything. Socrates said it very clearly. Accept what Allah allows you to know. And he might give you a gift. Might give you some knowledge that other people won't receive. So, if you're a major in Islamic studies and you start studying hadith and Quran, that's your gift. If you're in tasawwuf, the feeling that you have in your heart when you're in sajda, that people don't know about that. It's secret. That's a gift Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. The Shia, their love for Ahlul Bayt. If you just heard the Shia doing tawaf and masjid al-ham, they say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala al-Muhammad. And when you hear al-Muhammad in their accent, ma'a lahja gharibah, come on. La, bastash'ur bi imanihim, bi hubbihim li Ahlul Bayt. Their love for the family of Muhammad that sometimes we see Sunnis don't have even though we're supposed to have it too. These are the secrets. This is the ilm. He gives a little bit to everyone. And the lesson we should learn, we shouldn't judge anyone of a different sect, of a different understanding of Islam. They have yash illa bimasha. They have a part, juz min hadha, and thaniya juz min hadha. They each have a small piece of that. So we can all learn from everyone. Illa bimasha. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends the ayah by saying, and obviously, I highly recommend you guys actually look into Sufi tafsirs for this ayah because it'll go more details. But I'm going to give a basic tafsir that no one, that everyone can agree. Everyone can agree. Kursi can be physical kursi or it could be metaphorical. But the point is, Allah subhanahu wa taala's control and power reaches every single atom 
in the universe, every single quark in the universe, every single corner. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's power exists everywhere. There's nothing that's free from his power. So what does that make you do? When you read this, if you read this in front of a bear, you'll be chilled. What do you have some chill? You have some clear danger in front of you, a bear, a police officer, an enemy, uh, uh, anything. Uh, a principal, a teacher. So if you're going to do a prank, before you do a prank, read ideas. And I was actually inspired to say this part by Brother Oli. I had a thought with him and he mentioned that he just reads Ayat al-Kursi three times and then he feels like this is the explanation of why he feels protected. Okay? I was actually planning on doing the tafsir of Ayat al-Kursi. Coincidentally, he brought it up and talked about it. I didn't tell him anything. He didn't even know that we're going to do Ayat al-Kursi today. I know that, right? Because I didn't tell him that we're going to do it and I'm, you know, it's highly unlikely that anyone takes time from their free time to flip through the pages of the Quran and find out what we're reading next. Come on, let's be honest. I barely had time to review all my classes. So, this is, these, are, these coincidences, there's no sudfa in Islam, there's no coincidence in Islam. It's, a, it's for a purpose. I wanted to do the tafsir of Ayat al-Qudsi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him mention it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made me think of doing the tafsir of Ayat al-Qudsi because we're going to read it. Everything fit in together. So he mentions in Kenya, for example, right? When there's police and problems, he reads Ayat al-Qudsi and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects Brother Oli. Not just him, everyone. Right? Every single person can be protected. Because his kursi, his control, his power, his strength is every part of you. So you can rest easily, knowing that he will protect you. And knowing if he did not protect you in that situation, circumstance, there must be some hikmah, some wisdom. Maybe you're supposed to learn a lesson. Maybe you got hurt so you can help other people who got hurt later on. Right? He doesn't get tired from protecting the universe. Right? So, for example, police officers, for statists, I'm kind of a statist, by the way, but I believe I, for a long time I was, and now I'm just confused. Chaos. <laughs> the point is, for a long time, statists, I was a statist. Because I saw these police officers are protecting us, they're, they're serving us, right? And imagine America, we support our troops, right? They're protecting us, right? So I had this feeling, and you had this, right? But these people get tired, right? Police officers can get tired. States can get tired, they can get weak. But what doesn't get tired? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then finally, at our last point, Ali, high, honored, Azim, grand. So if we think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is concerned about um, how long, how the length of your beard, for example, or concerned about you wearing hijab and niqab, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is concerned about uh, the Shia, He says, no, there should be no Shia. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is concerned about the Sunnis because they killed Ahlul Bayt apparently, allegedly. Then that's your God. Your God is a local God. Your God is a God that's only concerned about human things. Your God is a human God. Your God is a human God if that God is teaching you to hate your Muslim brothers and sisters. It's not Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never told you to do that. It's just a God that's a reflection of your own mentality. You're a small person in a small world with small politics and small drama. But if your God is the God of the universe, the one who created, just let's start with Mars and then the sun. Let's start with the God created the sun. Do you think the power who created the sun is concerned about uh, two people following different sects or understandings of Islam? 
or that person is concerned about, oh, you did wudu with this hand instead of with this hand, or you, oh, you, uh, the water didn't reach the end of the elbow. That's not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's your version of Allah. As we said in the Hadith Qudsi, I am the way my slave thinks of me. And I conclude by reminding you of the example I gave of Isa. Does it look like Isa's God is one that is concerned about petty things? No, that's why he's never depressed. That's, that's, what, that's the thing. And West Africans in general, they don't have this concept of depression. I'm, I'm kind of curious, by the way, what would, how would they react if, if I was to tell them depression? What do you think, Dawood? They don't recognize it, right? It depends, but generally the culture is against depression. Because you're generally happy, you're generally content. So I brought it from, at least from my observations, obviously, yeah, it's a generalization. We live for today. We live for today, and yes. tomorrow is just for God to just, you know, See? Because that is the God is telling, the God that they worship is telling him, live for today, carpe diem, right? Carpe diem, just live for the day, and you do that. But if your Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is concerned with, you have to follow the right sect of Islam, the right version of Islam, what do you end up with? Syria. I'm not saying the Syrians are behind that. But you end up with Syria. Who, all that money that went into Syria, that went on one side, another side, all those people who went to Syria who had no business going to Syria, they were living perfectly fine lives in London. That's because their God told them to do that. Who is their God? Not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah bari min hadha kalam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell you? They did the exact opposite of this. Freeing slaves, they did the opposite. They created slavery. Slavery did not exist in Syria. Slavery did not exist under Bashar al-Assad or Hafal al-Assad. Slavery, ISIS here. Can you imagine that? That's because their God was a God that was teaching Turn it the other way around. Al-Aliyul Adim. Our Allah is the one who created the sun, who created this planet, who created many more galaxies apart from the galaxy we live in. And we're concerned about small trickle things? So, I conclude with this, that I am the way my slave thinks of me. The homework for today would be, remember yesterday I said the homework was we have to study Surah Al-Balad and read the speech of Ja'far. So who did that? Okay, that's fine. The point is, Surah Al-Balad, we, we, we mentioned it again, so that's fine. We mentioned it, what are the priorities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Freeing slaves, feeding the poor, not anything you see on TV about what bad Muslims are doing. And Ja'far's speech was, we were misguided, we were in trouble. Prophet Muhammad came to us and told us, be nice to your family. Feed the poor. This is the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we should worship. And this is the, this is the good news now. The one who is in control of everything is that Allah. And that should be good news to us. The one who is in control is Ar-Rahman. There was a Bedouin who came to Muhammad sallallahu and says, Arabbuna yadhak? Does our Lord laugh? Rasulullah sallallahu said, yes, he does laugh. How, what, how does he laugh? What does laughing mean? We don't know. And a great example of this, uh, for example, does an elephant have a hand? In Arabic language, yadul fil, yad is what they use. So in English, we don't say the hand of an elephant, right? In Arabic, you say the hand of an elephant and the hand of a human. 
They're not even the same. There's no, there's no comparison between them. And those are both creation. Now imagine, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى Right? أَرَبُّنَا يَضْحَكْ Our Lord's laughed. Rasulullah said, yes, he laughs. Then, what did the, what did the Bedouin say? He said, then there's no, there's no worry left. There's no sadness left. There's no pain left. If our Lord is a Lord that laughs. Let that sink in. So if we decide that we decide to choose the same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Muhammad sallallahu taught us about, there is no worry. Nothing. There's nothing left of sadness. So the lesson and homework for today would be read Ayatul Kursi and don't imagine the God that we were taught maybe when we were younger or we heard from some sheikhs on YouTube or something. But think about a personal God in your life. Think about when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected you and helped you when you needed it the most. And realize He's calling you. Not the angry, scary God of the Old Testament. Not the God in the New Testament who had some very uh, harsh words for the Jews, against the Jews. And uh, the, not those gods. And not the God of some extremist Muslims who say, no, God is only concerned about you cutting your nails, for example. What's going to happen to all the heavy metal people, bro? They don't cut their nails, right? So you have to choose that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's the homework. Read Ayat al-Kursi and choose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and choose Him to help you, inshaAllah. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Azim wa nafa'ani wa yakum bi hadhi al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqulu qawli hadha in aqta'atu fa min nafsi wa min shaytan in sawabtu fa min Allahi wahidah aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa nisayir muslimin wa rakam sallam